0: Good how's everybody we good everybody's okay are we ready for some controversy this morning Charlie worship team did awesome you guys are awesome getting better I told Lisa this morning I was I was banging out to some um drum solo stuff this morning I follow a dude online that I'm sure he's not a believer but man can that dude knock the drums and he's just crazy good and I thought man I'm gonna Start letting our drummers have a little bit more freedom to get crazy with beating the drums down a little bit. So we're rocking and rolling. Well, we're glad you guys are here. Are you guys, honestly, Are you guys ready for controversy this morning? Are you ready? (laughs) Why not every week, right? Every week. I'm gonna challenge you today. I'm gonna challenge the way you've been brought up thinking today. I'm going to challenge us with the way that the world has taught us. And, and so I want to go right to the word really quick. I want to go right to prayer real quick. Lord, open our hearts and our minds to you. Jesus, we want you to be edified and exalted and lifted up in this place. Holy Spirit, move through this place and teach us. We, we have an expectation of you. We want you. We want you to love on us. We want you to, to guide us through the word. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Tonight's gonna be a cool night. We're having graduation here for KSSM, which is gonna be amazing. And then uh, it's just gonna be really good. And then next week I'll, yeah, it's just gonna be super, super good. All right, so who's bought into this lie of systematic racism? Anyone bought into the lie of systematic racism? I'm gonna tell you it's a lie. Is there racism? Absolutely. Can racism only be done by white people? Absolutely not. Racism is a condition of the heart. But this idea where we look at this thing called systematic racism, where the entire, everyone is systematically against black people, or everyone is systematically against Spanish people, everyone is systematically against white people, is a lie from Satan intended to divide. Let me tell you this, and here's how we know it. If there was systematic racism by white people globally, there would be no black people on TV whatsoever, none. There would be no news, news anchors, there would not be any professional athletes. Was there an issue with that in the early 20s and 30s and 40s? Absolutely. And they, had to, they started, we saw that breaking of that barrier where athletes began to, it was actually athletics that broke the barrier. Because they started seeing that skin color is merely something that God made you with. Who you are is who God made you to be. When I joined the military at 17, my grandfather said to me, took me aside, I grew up in a predominantly white community. And my grandfather's half Osage Indian. There's this new movie coming out. It's so funny to me when people talk about, like me, they'll say, oh, you're a big white dude. Yeah, but you don't even know my heritage. My grandfather was Osage Indian. I just look like this big old white dude because I got the dominant gene from my Austrian father, I guess, right? But my sisters are all, they look American Indian. And it's funny because I see this new Osage, it's about the Osage tribe in the 1920s and the oil field and I thought, oh my gosh, that's our family. That's our family. That's where my grandfather comes from and it's where they went in and they killed a bunch of the Osage to get the oil. So when I hear people say, you don't understand the plight, I personally don't understand the plight. I really don't, because it never happened to me, but my grandfather understands the plight. My grandfather knows as American Indian what it's like to be, have racism against him, but systematically across the board, I don't know. To me, it just seems like a great big ploy to divide people. Is there an issue with it? Sure, but there's an issue in every culture and every system. I've been to Africa. Where I'm one of the only white dudes there, and there's racism. There's racism against that tribe. This tribe hates that tribe. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. Like, why do you hate that tribe? They don't even know why they hate the tribe. They just, this is what we do. We, we saw that from Rwanda. When the massacre in, the, two, in, the, in uh, the 1990s in Rwanda showed that it doesn't matter the color of skin. When the heart goes bad, people go bad. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, was not a white dude, right? He wasn't a white dude, but he wasn't a black dude either. We're kind of not sure what he was, and I believe that's for a reason. We know he's Jewish. Was he dark-skinned? Absolutely. We all have pictures and ideas of what we think, but we're really not sure. I I believe so because God did it in such a way so that you and I wouldn't try to put something in a class, and then we would say no one else can fit this class because of that, of that right there. Here's what I do know when I look around this room. I look around this room, and I see the beauty and the creativity of God. When I hear, talk to somebody and they say, I'm colorblind, I will call them a liar immediately. You're lying to yourself, and you're lying to me. When I look around this room, God created me with eyesight to see all the different colors of skin. Why? So it, because it showcases the creativity of God and how he makes beauty in his image, it doesn't matter the color of skin. So going back to that, going, going into the military with my grandfather at Osage, Indian, I'm this big white guy growing up and going, I'm gonna now be thrust into a culture I'm unaware of. And he says to me, hey, if you're in a foxhole on a battlefield and there's a black guy in the foxhole with you and you both get shot and you're bleeding and you look at the bottom of the foxhole, what color's the blood? And I said, well, of course, grandpa, it's red. And he goes, how do you tell which is who's who's? I said, you can't. He said, exactly. It's not what's on the outside of a man that makes a man. It's what's on the inside that makes a man. And the life is in the blood from Jesus Christ. It's the color of the blood. And so all of us, if we were to cut ourselves in here today, we would see the beauty in God that there is no racism intended to be because all of our blood is the same color. That is worth to be applauded and the world needs to hear that, and the media keeps trying to divide and divide, but I am going to tell you where there is systematic racism right now. Now, I'm going to tell you, let me go before I move on to that, move from that to the next, uh, where we're going to get a little controversial, is, are there issues in the world with racism? Absolutely, and you're dumb as a rock if you think there isn't, If you look upon another human being and judge them based on the color of their skin, the problem is you, not them. That is a fact, and I don't care what color we are. If you look at somebody and judge them based upon what they look like, not their deeds, you and your heart is corrupted and needs to be fixed by Jesus. And Jesus is the only fix. He's the only cure. But moving on from that, I wanted to make that clear, but I will tell you, I believe that there has been systematic racism, and the systematic racism has occurred, I believe, for about the last 100 years, I could be way wrong, but the systematic racism that does take place is against the church. Hear me in this. We are a race of people. When I said yes to Jesus Christ, when I said, Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior, I got a new name. I was adopted into a family called the family of Christ. My blood now that flows through me and the life that I have was breathed into me by Jesus Christ, and that's who my identity is. And we are a race of people. We are a holy generation. We are those stones. That the builder, remember the cornerstone, which we'll see in Peter, that they rejected. We are those stones that build up. We are, listen to me, we are a race of people. And there has been systematically for years, but really in the last hundred years, this systematic verbiage and things that are taking place that gets you and I to challenge who God really is. Have you ever noticed? I thought about this today. Today there's going to be. At first it was countrywide, but now they only limited to the city. When has it been okay to cut the power to Belize on Sundays? When has that been okay? Aren't we a Christian nation? We we claim to be correct. America the same way, Canada the same way. Do we not claim to be a Christian nation? A nation that follows after Christ, but we're okay to cut off sound and services and everything on Sunday, the day that we go worship our king and are equipped to, to fight this fight the rest of this week. We're okay with Sunday, but not Saturday because Saturday would interrupt our buying plans. When did we buy into this? Do you see what I'm saying? Because now we've put in our personal feelings and personal comforts ahead of God and the government says to us, listen to me, yes, we don't want to disrupt your economic, we don't want to interrupt in the economic system of our Belizean brothers and sisters who own businesses that, are, that require that money to come in on Saturdays or Fridays, or Wednesdays. Who did they go after during the COVID pandemic? Did they go after the bars? who did they go after? They went after the churches. By God, if there was a spring up of anything, it was the church's fault. The church and the gathering of the church, not the grocery stores. Dude, I've never understood this, the whole, the whole, if you have, you have to think about this. If I have COVID and they tell me that it has this lifespan, it, it always changed, but it has a, a two hour lifespan. And I go into a grocery store and I pick up a box of cornflakes. I go, huh, huh, oh, I don't want this one, and I put it back. And you walk in and grab that same cornflakes within two hours, you're more likely to get COVID from that than you are a hug. And here's what I'm, t- why? Because if you touch it, what do most people do? After you touch something, you go like this. People are always touching their face. But who did they go after globally? The church. When there's an issue and there's fundamental issues, there are different what we call fundamentalists in religious groups across the board, not just Christians. But when there's a fundamental issue of someone that goes in and kills somebody or goes in and does a shooting, who gets blamed for it? Even if it's an Islamic shooter, who gets blamed for it? The church, because the Christian church, the followers of Jesus were oppressive of that person and that oppressiveness on that person caused him or her to carry out these extreme ideas. crazy, right? But how have we done it to ourselves? As we continue on in 1 Peter, in chapter 1, verse 13, I have read this so many times. I've had it taught so many times. It's underlined all crazy. This was a letter, so someone wrote in there afterward, a call to holy living. Some of your Bibles have that in there. That wasn't like, Peter didn't write a call to holy living in there. He just was writing a letter. This is what he said. So think clearly and exercise self-control. Now, there's so many areas that we could go with that. I'm gonna challenge you today. So think clearly and exercise self-control. Self-control. Often when we hear that, we automatically, depending on whatever world you're in, you automatically start to think, okay, I need to think clearly if I'm an athlete, self-control, I'm gonna watch my diet, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that, right, right? That's what we do. Okay, if I own a business, I'm gonna think clearly, I'm gonna watch my spending habits, I'm gonna exercise self-control, I really don't need that. I'm the worst at exercising self-control over things that I believe bring me comfort. Like, I, if I go into a gun store, I'm like, oh, yes. The evil we could crush with this would be amazing, right? Oh, I like good, clean energy drinks and soda. Oh, some people all, just drink water. It is water, it's heavenly water. Think clearly at I'm gonna challenge you on that in a moment. Look forward to the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So remember, you have to keep it in context. As we study the word, there's context to it. You can't take one verse and take it out and make your own religion or your own faith statement out of it. We have to keep it in context of what the author is writing because it is inspired by the Holy Ghost from God for us to have it, so it shapes our whole life completely, not portionally, okay? I'm gonna show you what we've been doing for years, watch this, so you must live as God's obedient children. You must, it's not like if you want to, Obedient children, don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. <clears throat> you didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, You must be holy because I am holy. I propose to you that we've jacked this up and you've been taught wrong for a lot of years. Some of you are going, oh, it's gonna get crazy. When I mention this statement to you, you must be holy as I am holy, do you automatically go, well, I'm not holy, and kind of shame kicks in just a little bit because you realize that maybe today or yesterday you looked at something you shouldn't have looked at or you, had, you harbored bad feelings against somebody you shouldn't have harbored feelings from that something isn't going right, you fought with your wife, you did something, did, you, did that kind of kick in and you thought, how in the world can I be holy as he is holy? How about this? So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your ways of living to satisfy your own desires. Um, Did you automatically think about pornography and murder and adultery and cussing and drinking too much and eating too much? Is that what you thought about? When you read that passage of scripture, is that what you, because most of the time, and I'm guilty of it, you read something like that. And I refer back to Colossians or Timothy when it talks about these are the conditions of the people in the end of days, that they're drunkards and slanderers and liars and this and that, right? You guys tracking with me here? So you don't slip back into your old ways. Did you automatically think, well, my old ways was, I was this dude that chased chicks or I was a chick that chased dudes. I drank a lot, I fought, I did all that stuff. And it's based on shame, you and I have been systematically trained to put our eyes on the sin of our lives and not on Jesus Christ, who is the redeemer of our lives. The church has systematically taught us to look at how wrong and shameful we are and how we're filled with shame And that every time it mentions, don't slip back to your old ways, we are taught, oh my gosh, my old ways was this is where I came from and how guilty are you? But I propose to you right here, this is not what Peter is saying. Peter is saying, don't slip back to your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. Your old way was the you work it way. You go to church more. You do the sacrifices that are needed. I can guarantee you in this room, about 95% of us, whether we wanna believe it or not, based upon what we were taught, perform sacrifices, we just don't kill it. God, if I do this today, you'll bless me here. If I'm nice to this person today, then you'll bless me. God, if I just don't cuss today, then you'll bless my day. God, if I don't have a bad thought about a girl or that bad thought about a guy, you'll bless me today. That's sacrificial worship. You are earning your salvation. Peter says, don't slip back. How do I know that's what he's saying? He says, you know, um, you didn't know any better then. That was the only thing that you knew. What you knew was to go to the temple, purchase a lamb, have the, sac- have the priest sacrifice a lamb, cut its throat on your behalf. And now when you went out and screwed up later today, you could run back next week and spend more money so that you would be right with God. That was the system. But we didn't know better then. And Peter says, but now you do. Look what he says. But now you must be holy in everything you do just as you as. God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. What he is basically saying is that you're holy when you slip back and take it into your own hands, it's very hard to be holy. But when you are living for Christ, recognizing that it was Jesus Christ who shed his blood for you, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you're quick to ask for forgiveness, not live under your own sacrificial system, then God is, and you quit looking at your sin and you look to Jesus, who is the, he is the one who redeems us from our sin. He was your kindness, Lord, that brought me to, to what? It's your kindness that brought me to repentance. It was you, Jesus. Colossians says, everything was made in him, through him, for him, and by him. We have systematically taught you, and I have done it for years, to look at your sin not as that the savior of your sin. He's always the afterthought. Think about your wrong, think about your wrong, think about your wrong, but there's hope, there's Jesus. So we shame the holy hand out of you. You know what? I was taught for years? I was taught listen to this. this is craziness. I was taught for years that a good pastor spends a minimum of eight hours a week. Minimum of eight hours a week studying and going through the Bible and the commentaries. Minimum. You know how hard that is for me to do? I am ADD out the wazoo. My study habits would blow most of you away. I read the Bible for about 15, 20 minutes and I'll start walking around, I'll go shoot guns, I'll go do something, then I'll come back and I'll read that for about 15 or 20 minutes, I'll put my thoughts, write some thoughts down, then I get up and I'll go do something for two hours, I'll go swim in the creek, I'll go help somebody at their place, I'll go do something, and I'm thinking about it the whole time, then I come back and do it, and then I realize that nowhere in the scripture does the Bible tell me to look at commentaries for my advice. I talked to a guy that I... I actually went up to him, it was the craziest thing. I talked to a guy that I respect tremendously and some of you at KSM know who he is. And I asked him about it. He goes, man, I haven't looked at a commentary in 10 years. And I said, oh, I don't feel so bad because I don't look at commentaries anymore. Why would I preach to you the thoughts of another man when I have the word of God that would preach to you the very words of the man who saves? And so everything in here, Do we still use the Greek and the Hebrew? Absolutely, we have to look to understand how everything is formulated. But why would I preach a sermon that's already preached? I wanna preach this letter, this love. I want you to look to Jesus first in your sin, not at your sin, because everyone in this room, if we're fair with one another, don't you know when you're an idiot? Some of you got it, you're like, I, will, I refuse to nod. I will not let him call me an idiot and agree with him. Let me say it again. Most of us know in this room when we're an idiot, right? We know when we've blown it. <laughs> it be, this, is how, this is how silly it is. So it'd be like this, if I said, just using that statement, some of you are offended. Hey, pastor call us an idiot this morning. And I said, oh, yeah, you're right. Oh, I'm an idiot. I call him an idiot. Oh, idiot. How the words of idiot could come out of my mouth. an idiot. Fix me idiot words. Fix me idiot words so I don't call other people an idiot word. I'm dwelling on the idiot word. Why would I say idiot word? Why would I? Shouldn't I go, oh, my gosh, I offended them. Jesus, I need your help here because something in my heart made me call them an idiot. And he may say back, well, you're just speaking the truth in love, brother. Just kidding, just kidding. Some of you you are getting it now, we're smiling, we're having some fun. Do you understand what I'm saying here? We've been systematically taught, the world is teaching us systematically to question God on everything. Like trust God until the government says it could cost you your life. But up until then, don't trust God. Or trust him all you want, do what you want. But at the point that we say not to, don't, don't listen to God anymore. God is bad. Jesus is a racist. According to who? According to whom? My Bible tells me that Jesus was a refugee, was hunted down for the color of his skin and for his faith. Do you guys know that? He was homeless. He, in his own words, said, I don't even have a place to lay my head. How is he a racist? How is Jesus the racist that went and sat with the, he got fed up with the, (coughs) listen to me here. He got fed up with his disciples. Just go buy some food because I got some serious business to do. What is that business? I need to talk to a Samaritan woman. And the Samaritans, the Jews hate the Samaritans. Why? Race. But I'm gonna look beyond her race and I'm gonna look at the deep heart condition because she sleeps around. She was always a good-looking lady, man. She had like five husbands, man, and all the other ladies didn't want her around because she was like, she had the master moves. She could make moves on your man and win. So all the other ladies are like, she gets water at her own time. Like this chick was like a social influencer at the time. You know what I'm saying? She had a million followers. Jesus goes, I'm gonna show up. I'm I'm gonna fix something with her. I'm gonna reveal to her living water. I'm not gonna to reveal to her because she even said, just like what I'm talking about, <clears throat> she even said, when he questioned her, she said, "I." he said, you spoke spoken well, because she said, what? I already have five husbands and I've got one I'm working with now. He, she knew her sin, but what did he point her back to? The sin? He said, no, you spoke well, but what did he point her to? Do you want living water where you'll never thirst again? He pointed her to him. He pointed her to him. When he caught the, the woman that was sleeping, they dragged her out naked in the streets. Everyone's right, you know, Jesus bends down and writes in the sand and everything. What did he say to her? He said, basically, you're free, go sin no more. And some people will go, well, how is she's not supposed to sin anymore, blah, blah, blah. Because at that moment when he said, go sin no more, who knows the heart of man? This is my belief. Who knows the heart of man? The Bible is very clear about this. We can look at what men do and make judgments based upon the fruit that they have, but only God knows the heart of man. I believe at that very moment, she recognized Jesus as her savior, as her redeemer, as the one who she repented to, and he said, now go sin no more, meaning I am holy, therefore you are holy. Go live your life and live it well. We have taken this message of truth and peace and love and we've refocused it back on sin. The passages in scripture in Colossians and Timothy when it's warning what the end time looked like, yes, we all know where we came from in that, but it's not pointing us back to look at that where we came from. We are supposed to be so enamored with the presence of Jesus Christ that we shudder when we look back from where we came from. Then we go, oh my gosh, I don't, even, I don't even want to put my eyes on that. I don't even want to put my eyes on where I was delivered from. People say, oh man, you should tell your testimony more. You got some raw stuff in your testimony. I am terrified at times to share my testimony. And here's why. Because I hate and I would hate to glorify what I used to be so that someone would hear it and be turned on to God. I would rather be just totally looking and go, look, brother, where I'm from, you just gotta trust in Jesus. It doesn't matter where I came from. It doesn't matter where you came from, you know where you came from. You know, but you also know that when you look upon the exalted Jesus in your life, you see the change and they see the change. So look to him. Tell the big glamorous story of the testimony. It's okay in smaller groups when you can walk people through. But here's what I found. I found in some of my testimony and stuff, I go, What if I tell my testimony and somebody who was my age doesn't get the chance that I got because the Holy Ghost was watching over me? What if I tell a part of the testimony where dudes are trying to, that dudes got guns pulled on me, but they don't pull the trigger? And some kid at 17 or 18 thinks he can go do the stupid foolishness that I did because he heard some pastor give his testimony and he thinks he's got time too. But in real life, that guy on the other end of that that pain, you know, the the painkiller pulls the trigger and that guy will never feel pain again. Well, actually, if he doesn't know Jesus, he'll, he'll experience pain for eternity. Why? Because the testimony was greater than the one who delivered me from it. We've been systematically taught to look at our sin. Your sin cannot save you. You know it's evident in you. This is why we talk about Jesus to people, it's because Jesus and the Holy Ghost points that sin out to somebody. They know the whole. Some of you are right now questioning, you're like, yeah, you know what? I'm not as close to Jesus as I should be, and that's okay, it's not me. That is the working of what I asked earlier in the opening prayer. Holy Ghost, move in this place. Expose yourself to us and speak your sweet goodness to people. And as the words are being spoken, the Holy Ghost is speaking to you. And as the Holy Ghost is speaking to you, you recognize your need for him in areas of your life that you're lacking in. And he's saying, quit looking at that lacked area you're lacking in and look to me. I am the fixer of you. (laughs) I say this to guys all the time. It's psychological. If you come to me and say, I struggle with porn, okay? You struggle with porn, what are you gonna do today? I'm not gonna look at porn. Yes, you are. I promise you, you will. Why? You have to look at the way God made us. It's, this is the, the, without saying it in a good way, the brilliance of Satan. He understands the psychological stuff and the church buys into it. I shared it last week. If the church wouldn't pull into the same of the world and, oh, they're bullying and all these key words, we wouldn't have the issues that we have. But then we begin to teach the same thing that the world is teaching. If I say this to guys, it's psychological. If I say to you, if a guy says to me, I'm not going to look at porn. You're not? No. Well, how are you going to do that? Well, all day I'm going to say, I'm not going to look at porn. 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 What is your mind focused on? Porn. What are you going to look at? Porn. Chicks too. The number's crazy now. As many women look at porn as men do now. It's, it, it, it's mind boggling to me. It's crazy when we're teaching guns, you know what we tell people? Shoot the bad guy. Shoot the bad guy from working with the military. Put one right in his face. Put a round right in his face, shoot the bad guy. Did did an experiment, I went into a shoot house and I was with a gun expert and this is what he said. He said, all right guys, listen to me. He says, all of the hostages (laughs) have orange tag on them. All the hostages have an orange tag on them. All right? Don't shoot the hostages. Dude, they blew the whistle I went through I shot every single friggin hostage. And I knew I was shooting the hostage. And I moved to the next one and shot the hostage. What was I looking at? All the hostages have orange tags. Don't shoot the hostage. Then we took a break, did some other drills, we came back and they said all The bad guys, all right? All the bad guys don't have orange on them. Shoot the bad guys, shoot the bad guys. Went through and put every round on the bad guys. Because what was my mindset? My mindset was shoot the bad guy, shoot the bad guy. Woody's playing football. The defensive line likes to jump off sides because they're just eager. They just want to get to the ball, American football. So they're waiting and the coaches are screaming, don't jump off sides, don't jump off sides. And what do they do all the time? Jump off sides. So I start saying, hey, hey, I start teaching them. What do you will tell you? I'm like, listen, don't worry about jumping off sides. Go when the ball moves, go when the ball moves, go when the ball moves. I quit speaking negative into them and looking at the sin, so to speak, of what they shouldn't do. And then we, we eliminate our jumping off sides, why? Because they knew what they needed to do. So in our lives, if you're struggling with faith, because Bill Johnson says this, the thing that you think about the most is the thing that you worship the most. So if you're struggling with pornography or money or any of these other things with jealousy and that's what you're thinking about all day, that's the thing you're worshiping all day, all day. Oh, but Jesus, I love you so much. But if you take this passage of scripture and he says, don't go back to where you came from. If you look at the heart of of Peter right here, Peter is pleading here and saying, don't slip back, what, into religion. Don't slip back into religion. Slip, fall forward into Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus because in him you are holy. Without him you are not holy. That's why he says, be holy as I am holy. The only way I am holy is because of Jesus. It's because of him and him alone. It's his work on the cross. It's my belief, but he has redeemed me. And so Jesus must be exalted in the word of God and in our lives. If you have an issue in your life, I realize it's true, but let's start working the way God created us to think and created to do. The church hates psychology. You know why? Because if I teach you the psychology of stuff, you'll rely, you, the church doesn't like it because, you hey, ready for this? Here's some controversy. Because if you understand how God created you to think and how to move and function, if I am a weak pastor, if I am weak and I use you as control and for my own ego, you quit coming to me and asking me que- questions, which then causes my ego to be hurt and I feel like there's not a need for my position. So what do I do? It's I teach you something that keeps you reliant on me. Well, folks, I'm here to tell you I'm a different type of pastor. I don't want you to be reliant on me. I want you to be reliant on Jesus. I'm just here as a tool that God has placed to to bring and use a gift to proclaim him to you, to encourage you in him, to be able to say, if you have a question, I'm here but you know who has the answer every time? You know who has the answer every time? Jesus. Who's the answer to pornography? If you're struggling with it, Jesus. Who's the answer? You ready? Don't worry about those guys, they're just delivering chairs. We'll pray for them when they come up here, should we? Should we do that? You guys wanna do that as a church? I'll call them in here, we'll pray for them, pray for their business. They won't know, look at this, they're afraid to come out. Jerome, boy, gather up them people after you drop them chairs, come in here, for make we pray for you. Yes, as soon as you drop them chairs, gather them people, make them come in here, and make me pray. Yes, right? It's good to know people, we're just gonna pray, we'll give them some Holy Ghost today, right? Some impartation. Isaac, you ready for that? When they come in, we'll pray for them. Are you guys tracking what I'm saying? I'm trying to break off years and years and years of indoctrination because it happened to me. And as I was reading this, this week it was a Holy Spirit moment for me. I was actually in a pool reading the Bible in a pool with a cigar. I know some of you are like, my pastor really isn't a pastor. But I was in a pool with a cigar reading the word and going over it and I was like, Lord, I have never understood this. I have really never understood this, Lord. This doesn't make sense to all of the way I was taught. And then he started taking me to all these different verses and it began to make sense that, oh my goodness, he's not telling me not to. See, here's the deal. If I'm focused on Jesus and I start to find myself realizing that I have holes in my life that I'm sinning in, it's actually his spirit that's informing me of those holes. He's not asking me to go back and look where I came from. He's asking me not to go back to the person I was when I tried to fix it myself. Don't slip back because you're holy already because of me. It starts to make sense. Remember when Paul said in Galatians, should we sin more so grace abounds more? He said no. When we do that, what do we do with Jesus? Let's go, boy. Let's go. Haul up. Tell the Bali in a truck, too. He prayer, too. Remember what he said? When we do that, what do we do with Jesus? We put him back on the cross. As he goes on, he says this in verse 17 I remember that the heavenly father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. You must live in reverent fear of him during your times as foreigners in this land. I was watching this show the other day and it was really good. Hold up, I'm gonna get you guys up here and just, he said, Well, I see you, you know, I see you too, boy. That's right. But I was watching, I was watching a show and the guy in the show sometimes. You know, art imitates life, but this person in the TV show said something. He said, the land we live on, we all steal from. The land we live on, we all steal from. We steal its gas, we steal its metals, we steal its water, we steal everything. Well, who owns the land? Not man. For the earth and all that was created was created for him, by him, it's his. We're foreigners in this land. And the Bible says, what Peter says here, he says, so live in reverent fear of him during your time as foreigners. It's not like you're terrified of him, but you understand that the God of gods can have him bring up this stuff today to get prayed for that I believe will affect your life and change it, even like it has affected your life 10 years ago. That's the fear to go, whoa. And all of us have had that moment, correct? Where we're placed in a situation suddenly, and we go, Oh my gosh, only God could have done this. That's the fear that you go, Oh Lord, without you, there is no life. You are everything. He says this For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from your empty life, so you inherited that you inherited from your ancestors. What is the ransom? See, this is where I'm just, where I'm talking to you about why is this not going back to your sin? It's about slipping back to religion. Where were you brought from? Your inheritance that you were left from your ancestors was the sacrificial system that didn't work, but God sent his son to buy us back. My gosh. And the ransom paid was not mere gold or silver. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. And he has now revealed him to you in these last days. Through Christ, you have come to trust in God and you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart for you have been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. As scriptures say, People are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And the word is the good news that was preached to you. So what do we not slip back to? Is that thing that was before the good news. So who do we exalt? I told you it's a little controversial because man, it you this week, if you really think about it, you'll go, it has been a systematic teaching and it'll infuriate you. It inf- I, I struggle at times. Just Lord, why have we so complicated you? We've done it for the power of men. I want God's power in this house. I want you to experience God's power in this house in your house, and the next time that nasty idiot, Satan, shows up, starts telling you what a horrible human being you are. You tell him, I am holy because he is holy, and I am held by him and covered by his blood and his alone, not by your accusations. I hold truth. First 1 John chapter two. And I proclaim it over you right now, enemy, that I have an advocate and his name is Jesus Christ. And your accusations are mere little stones but he will crush you. Guys, I wanna challenge you with today's teaching. I'm not saying everything you've heard is wrong. Everything you've been taught is wrong. Well, what I'm saying is re-look at the Word of God through the lens of God. Re-look at it and go, wow, that makes so much more sense to put Jesus over all things. And I'll close with this. One of my favorite songs is done by a guy named Richard Andrew. Richard Andrew is a young man. He comes a band of brothers. He's an artist guy, sings. And he wrote this song. The first band of brothers that, he was, that I went to I saw him live singing and he sang this song and the words of the song was basically without butchering. He says, there I was with all my problems and I was falling. And he, and, he says, on all my, and he says that you, Jesus, are the lifter of my head. And he says, and I looked on the bottom where all my problems were and they were surrounded by God's angels. And the angels were crying out, Right? Jesus reigns here. So he goes, there you lifted. You're the lifter of my head. And all my problems are surrounded by your angels. And they cry out over my problems. Jesus reigns here. Jesus reigns here. In our lives, we have to get into the practice of saying Jesus reigns. Here, I look to Jesus when I'm having issues, no matter what they may be, whether they're wounds from a church, wounds from a horrible pastor, wounds from a friend, whether it is the the issue with alcoholism or drugs or if it's the issue of prejudice or pornography, all of those are, listen to me, all of those are a result of Jesus not first. They all are, all of them are. When Jesus was talking in John chapter three, he said this, he said, what is the sin of the world? Unbelief, not pornography, not murder, not rape, not kidnapping, not drug abuse, not adultery, none of it. He said the sin of the world is unbelief. And when I am put first, I reign over all of that. And I cover you and make you holy. Let's change our concept and our mindset. May our questions be, hey, pastor, pray with me that Jesus stays first. I'm struggling with this area of my life. And you won't look at me cross-eyed when I go, well, quit thinking about it. Because a lot of times i'm doing counseling and i go quit thinking about it and they go but you don't understand i don't and i don't want to understand because if i understand your problem that means i have to go into your problem and if i go into your problem that means that your problem may become my problem and i don't want your problem to be my problem I want Jesus, the problem fixer, the solutionary, to be the answer to the problem. And you and I are free of that problem because we are inheld and being loved by Jesus. Does that make sense? Jesus first. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. Thank you for today. I thank you for everyone here. Lord, may your peace fall upon us. May your glory continue to radiate through us to others. Lord, may we not walk in fear, but walk in boldness. Lord, the Bible says, your own word says that Satan is like a roaring lion seeking him he may devour. But you, Lord Jesus, are the lion of the tribe of Judah. And you are the greatest and the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And you devour that lion, which looks to devour us. And so, Lord, we ask that you devour that lion. May we exalt your name. May we see miracles. May we see signs and wonders because our eyes are on you. We love you, Lord. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen.